All right. All right. So I guess the question for you is, is this MagSafe Duo something on your Christmas list that you're going to know? I could buy a whole um, HomePod Mini for that and still have some change left you over. You sure could. You're listening to the Snob OS Podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And this is Nika Montford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. And welcome to episode 100 of the Snob OS show, the show for Apple. Yeah, the show for Apple snobs where we talk all things Apple and then some. So, like I said, welcome to the episode 100. Uh, I think you mentioned Nika earlier in the pre-show that not a lot of podcasts make it this long. So we definitely want to thank you for your uh, hanging in there this long with us. Thank you for your support. Uh, speaking of support, we definitely want to thank our Patreon family for as little as $5 a month. You can become a part of our family. We call them the snobbists. And for that $5, you get access to our live show taping. So you can watch it as we're recording it, get access to the pre-show because we have a little bit of banter, a little bit of extra to the show that you won't get on the regular uh, show. And you get access to our discord chat, which I think I'm pretty sure we're going to move that over to Facebook because who's not on Facebook. So (laughs) for now it's discord, but probably next week or the week after maybe, maybe the new year we'll probably move it over to a Facebook group so we can actually talk to you guys in between the actual shows. So we definitely want to thank all of our snobbists for their continued support because without them, we cannot do all the cool things that we are doing right now. So definitely want to thank you for that. Uh, having said that, let's move right into our show. We want to start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple and uh, in other news outside of all the election stuff that went on like crazy last week. Uh, I think we've kind of moved on a little bit and we've got some different information. Speaking of, it was the Apple's one more thing event, which was pretty much all Mac. You know, they talked a little bit about Mac OS, uh, Big Sur, that's going to be available uh, probably at the time of this airing yesterday. So if you haven't downloaded Mac OS Big Sur, you can do- definitely get that now. They, you know, went over some things about that, how compatible it is with iPhone, uh, iPhone apps, how compatible it is with, you know, this new M1 chip that we'll get into. Speaking of which, uh, probably the main news of the Apple event was the Apple arm, what they're calling it, the Apple Silicon M1 chip. So I'm, I'm just going to short all that down. So from here going forth, I'm going to call it the M1 chip. So, uh, if you hear me say M1, that's what I mean. Apple's new Silicon arm chip. So, I just wanted to, you know, kind of go over some information about this new chip from Apple. It is industry leading performance, powerful features, incredible efficiency. M1 is Apple's first chip designed specifically for the Mac. So this is not an Intel chip. This is not something you can find in any other device or any other company, all specifically for the Macs. So it boasts all of the new features. One of the main things is uh, two times faster CPU performance, uh, 25, 20, 25 with 25% of the power. So it's not using a whole lot of power to get two times faster CPU performance. The M1 features an eight core CPU uh, consisting of four high performance cores and four high efficiency cores. 
Each of the high performance cores provide industry leading performance for single threaded tasks while running as efficiently as possible. They are the world's fastest CPU cores in a low power silicon, allowing photographers to edit high resolution photos with lightning speed and developers to build apps nearly three times faster than before. All four cores can be used together for a huge boost in multi-thread performance. So all that means is there's an eight core CPU, uh, four cores for, um, well, what was it? Uh, what did, where did Computing. I read Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, 3.5% faster CPU performance. Another thing that the M1 chip does is it puts all the different, um, uh, technologies down into one chip. So I had an actual, let me find this actual, uh, where are you at? I I had a, a picture that I wanted to show, uh, of all the different cores, but I lost it. So, <laughs> uh, basically what, I, yeah, yeah. So, so basically I was going to say it, it puts all the different, different technologies into one core versus having different multi, uh, different chips on the same motherboard, like the neural engine, um, uh, so on and so forth. So graphics, right. Gra- much everything. Right, right, right. GPU, uh, all of that, all that good stuff. So uh, let me read a little bit more about the neural engine. The M1 chip brings the Apple Neural Engine to the Mac, greatly accelerating machine learning. Uh, Apple's featuring Apple's most advanced 16-core architecture, capable of 11 trillion operators operations per second. The Neural Engine in the M1 enables up to 15 times faster machine learning performance. In fact, the entire M1 chip is designed to excel at machine learning with ML accelerators in the CPU and a powerful GPU. So tasks like video analysis, voice recognition and image processing will have a level of performance never seen before on a Mac. So go ahead. Yeah. And I'll just say, anybody listening, place a little bookmark on NeuroEngine. That will, what Terrence just said regarding the NeuroEngine and how many cores it comes with and, uh, and the, and the efficiency of the machine learning, because that's definitely going to come back into play. Once we start talking about the actual hardware that this chip will be going into. Yep. 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 So like I said before, uh, big Sur is optimized for M one. So with big Sur and M one Mac users can run a greater range of apps than ever before. All of Apple's Mac software is now universal and runs natively on M1 systems. Existing Mac apps that have not been updated to universal will run seamlessly with Apple's Rosetta 2 technology. So that's for all of the developers who have created apps and software for the Intel processors. Uh, they'll use Rosetta 2 technology to be able to port. And I use that in quotations because I don't know what the actual term <laughs> is, but port all of those um and make those compatible is the word I was looking for. Make it compatible for the M1 chip. So it's to furthermore, and and iPhone and iPad apps can run, run directly on a Mac. Uh, the foundations for Big Sur optimized to unlock the power of M1, including developer technologies for metal, for graphics, to core ML for machine learning. So basically, there is a new processor that Apple is has created is specifically for Max. It will be all two times faster this, faster speed, faster graphics, less power, longer battery life, made specifically for a Mac, which means iPhone and iPad apps can can work on the Mac. So if you're a developer and you want to make one app across all the platforms, the M1 chip makes it that much more easier. Um 
So I guess as a developer, you know, what do you think about this new M1 chip technology? Is this something that Apple needed to do? Could they have uh, continued to can continue to use in, Intel processors and got by? Or do you think this is a natural progression? And do you think what more importantly, you know, how do you think people are going to take this? Not just regular computer computer guys like me, but actual, you know, people who need it for like developing, you know, you know video creation. How do you think they're going to take it? So I think um, it was a natural progression. Um, could Apple have continued with the Intel chip? Sure. I mean, that's what Intel does. They they build chips to to power laptops and, and other devices of, of the kind. But it does, it's a natural progression for Apple. If we've noticed anything about Apple over the past several years, they want to own everything. If you look as far as security, um, as far as, as data protection, they want to keep everything in-house under Apple's thumb. So it makes perfect sense that they come out with this M1 chip and that they are going to slowly over the next what, year and a half move all of their devices over to this chip because Apple wants to be able to control as much of their devices as possible. And it keeps all the money in the same house, right. so to speak. So I definitely think... Um, you know, it was a national, a natural progression for them. As far as the chip itself, the chip itself looks pretty fantastic. If it can deliver on what they're promising, I think it's it's going to to be a major shift. Um, what I think may cause a bit of contention and concern from some folks in the tech space, particularly developers, is that we are not used to seeing. Um, this type of advancement on a chip, meaning you won't need as much RAM to be able to continue at the the pace that you that you need to run multiple IDEs. You have to have the IDE where you're doing development on it. You have to be able to run simulations. And so it takes up a lot of of power and just system uh, capability of your device. So I think what is probably going to cause some concern. I've already seen it on, on Twitter from folks in tech and folks outside of tech being like, what do you mean you're only giving me 64 gigs of RAM? What 16, right? Yeah, yeah, 16. Yeah. What, are you, what are you thinking? Like, there's no possible way that I can do everything. I can't do my video editing. I can't do my uh, audio editing. I can't develop on that low amount of RAM. So I think it's going to take some uh, re-education mm -hmm. um, from Apple to not only the tech community, but the broader community as well. Because we're used to, when you're looking for a new laptop or a new device, the first thing you check is how much RAM does it have? Is it going mm -hmm. to have enough storage to do everything that I need to do? And again, we'll talk about it later once we start talking about the actual hardware that this chip goes into. It's it's raising eyebrows, and I think it's just one of. I just think it's what Apple does. They reinnovate, so I think it's one of those things where they are going to. They're leading, obviously, in this respect, but also it's going to cause other chip makers, Intel and some of the other ones, to say, "Wait a minute, we need to rethink our process because now our mind has to shift from the focus being on." RAM size to actual how well this chip 
runs is is, is going to run and power these devices. Right. So I think it's going to be some eyebrows raised to see if if Apple can actually pull this off. Right. And I'm assuming they can because they've one introduced it and they've put it in one of their most popular devices, their bread and butter, which is the MacBook Pro. Right. So, uh, so yeah. Well, so you mentioned that, you know, Intel may have to rethink how they do things. They may not be able to do it simply because of something that you mentioned. Apple controls the whole thing from the chip to the computers, to the operating system. Intel doesn't, Intel just has a chip and their chip has to be compatible for all these different manufacturers Mm-hmm. All these different, op- well, not all these different operating systems. It's just Windows. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, you think of Chrome OS, you know, you think of all these things and they use Intel or do they use ARM? I can't remember. Anyway, um, a lot of different companies, a lot of different products, a lot of different manufacturers use Intel processors, not just for computers, for all types of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case with Apple. Apple's specific devices will use this M1 chip. And that's it. So Apple has a lot of freedom and a lot of a lot less constraints that they have to work with. So Mm -hmm. um, the fact that Apple does own the whole entire ecosystem can allow them to say something like you don't need that much RAM and or you may not be able to even use a separate external GPU uh, graphics processing unit for the layman's. and get away with it. Right. And like you said, the reeducation, it may take some reeducation on Apple's part. But again, that's a benefit because it's all in house. All they got to say yeah. is, look, this is how we're doing things. This is how you should do things. Here's some resources. Here's some whatever the case may be. And people will figure it out. Right. Versus Intel trying to do it. You'll have so many different people barking at them versus, you know, when Apple tries it, you may have some developers, you may have some high end content creators kind of. Well, what am I supposed to do? And then you figure it out, right? Yeah. And also the same thing is Apple has proven time and time again that their devices are are just fantastic, that they come out with, you know, really great devices. You were talking um, about um, yesterday how one of your daughters was using a 2000, what, 8, 2009 Mac. I mean, that thing is almost 20 years old right? and it was still, you know, Mm -hmm. doing what needs to be done. And it would have continued doing what needs to be done if, you know, there wasn't some spillage. Right. So it's one of those things where I think that they've shown that what they say they do, they they can back it up. But again, I it. People are going to be skeptical, right? but I think they get the benefit of the doubt because they are Apple. Okay. All right. Speaking of the hardware, you may mention to it uh, multiple times. Uh, Apple did not only just announce a new processor. They announced new devices, specifically Macs, to actually house this new M1 chip. Uh, first on the list is the newest MacBook Air. It's the thinnest, lightest all the good things, three times faster CPU speeds, GPU speeds up to five times faster, our most advanced neural engine, nine times fast machine learning, all the good things in this new MacBook Air. Again, this MacBook specifically takes advantage of the N1 chip to do all of the extra things. For instance, five times faster graph- graphics with the eight core GPU that we mentioned earlier, 18 hours of battery life. That's 
six more hours of your current MacBook Air. Uh, there's no fan in this MacBook Air because this chip does a lot on its own. You don't need all these separate um uh, you don't need this bigger um, motherboard or logic board with all these different chips that need to be cooled. Okay. It's just one uh, chip that's doing it. So there is no fan in the latest uh, MacBook Air, which should make a lot of people happy. Specifically, I've got my youngest daughter that you mentioned. Uh, she <laughs> spilled some juice in our 2009 white MacBook Pro uh, MacBook rather. And we had to go out and get her a MacBook Air. So we got her a, you know, inexpensive MacBook Air from 2014. And anytime she gets on a Zoom call, that fan spins up. Right. So I feel so bad for her. But, hey, you got you got you got less expensive MacBook Air that's yours. So deal with it. Right. But all, right. all that to say, uh, if we were to get, you know, upgrade the kids to a newer MacBook Air, there's no fan. So they won't feel as embarrassed when they are on zoom calls with all the extra background noise. Of course, the MacBook air will come with Mac OS big Sur, which is their new operating system that, like I mentioned before, also takes advantage of the M one chip and all of that, uh, two terabytes up to two terabytes worth of storage, uh, for a two times faster SSD. Again, as it relates to the M one chip, all of that with the same, price as your entry level MacBook Air at what 699 or no 999 I'm uh, sorry no 999 yeah 699 is for the other thing that I'll talk about a little bit later uh 999 for the latest MacBook Air so I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on this latest iteration of the MacBook Air so I think it's I think it's really good um again it all relies on the performance um, and if this chip, because it is an unknown and typically when, you know, you have an Apple announcement and they're particularly announcing new Macs, you get like a live demo of sorts, you get to kind of see it in action. And because Apple is doing these pre-produced events, we aren't able to, to get that. And, you know, at typical Apple events, they normally, after the announcement, all the developers can go get their hands, they can try it out. And, and you get, you know, almost immediate feedback on, on the device. Um, we don't have that now. So that's, I think, another thing that plays into some people's um, skepticism, if you want to call it that, is that they, they're they just having to take, at this point, Apple's word only. They yeah. aren't able to get their hands on it. So I think that puts a little bit of a pin in it. But if it does what it says it does, I think it's, I don't know. I don't think they said it's light. If it's lighter than the previous air, but the fact that the that the fan is gone, mm -hmm. I mean that in itself, that's pretty fantastic because these fans can be pretty loud. Right. But you still have the same um, the size, the lightness, the thinness. Um, it has and, uh, some additional things like Wi-Fi six. Some, yeah. I didn't mention it has Wi-Fi six technology with up to one one point two gigabytes of throughput, and it has two. Thunderbolt four ports, you know, the previous yeah, Mac to say they get some more ports, right? As well. well, just one more, but <laughs> that, that's one more, that's right? There's, there's one more than the current one has. My wife has a 2019 MacBook air and it just has the one single Thunderbolt port. So if she wants to plug external monitor, if she wants to plug in a, and, and charge it, you know, she's going to have to figure out how to, uh, well not figure it out. I'm gonna have to buy her an adapter, right? With this right. newer MacBook Air, if I would have waited, <laughs> I 
I probably could have got her this one with two Thunderbolt ports. So all that to say, you know, you're getting lighter, faster. No, not lighter. You mentioned it. Uh, I think it's the same size as the the same weight, rather, Mm -hmm. as the current MacBook Air. But you get all this new technology for the same price. So I guess if you're in the market for a MacBook Air, you know, why wouldn't you get this right? Especially with this new in one M one chip rather. So, all right, uh, moving on to the next thing that, uh, Apple announced that they announced a MacBook pro as well. So all the, for the people who have to do the, the extra video editing, the developing all that high end stuff that us regular folks don't have to do. Uh, MacBook pro has the M one chip as well. Again, the same price as lad, the current model at starting at 1299, of course, price goes up. If you add more terabytes of storage, if you add up to 16 gigs of Ram, oh, that's something that, um, I didn't mention on the air that I will go ahead and mention now the maximum is 16 gigs of Ram. And that's something that we mentioned uh, with the M one chip. So that'll be interesting to see if people take that, but nevertheless, uh, according to Apple, you don't need any more than 16 gigs, with because, this new chip. right? Because they've, uh, you know, added all the eight cores, you know, twice five time faster graphics performance on the MacBook pro, a 16 core neural engine, as opposed to eight core on the MacBook air, which uh, adds up to 11 times faster ML performance, which is machine learning performance. Of course, the MacBook Pro comes with uh, Mac OS Big Sur, you know, adds all the features and protection and the uh, the app portability uh, for, you know, creating iPhone and iPad apps and knowing that those will be compatible with the uh, MacBook Pro over up to 20 hours of battery life, which is, according to Apple, the longest in a Mac ever. Again, up to two point uh, up to a two terabyte storage, which adds up to three point three point three gigabits per second of uh, uh, speeds. Let's see. Uh, it has the M1, you know, protection chip, you know, the the um, protection layer on the actual chip. It has the retina display uh, on the MacBook Pro uh, 500 nits of brilliance. I'm not sure what a nit is. That's some. I'm assuming that's some sort of measurement of light measurement of light right that's what we're going to call it (laughs) uh 25 more colors than srgb and a view that adjusts to your environment uh one of the things that i thought was pretty cool that uh the macbook pro comes with especially in this new work from home remote learning zoom you know era that we're in the facetime hd camera it has a 720p uh, front end camera on the front front facing camera for, you know, HD video calls. So you won't necessarily have to go scramble to find a high end uh, camera as an accessory. It'll have a 720. Like me when we flipped over to all this. Right, right. From home and everything. I had to try and scrounge and find a camera. Right. So, you know, you've got that uh, crispy 720p HD camera and it has a three mic array. So you'll get uh, pickup of audio a little bit better. So you're not scrambling to get headphones and mics and all this stuff. You can just, if you get a, need to hop on a quick call with the MacBook pro, you can do that with crispy video and audio. So, uh, of course, all that again, like I mentioned, touch ID with all the password protections using Apple pay still has touch bar. Uh, I use the touch bar on my current MacBook pro. Um, I find it useful, not all the time, but 
Uh, it's handy having that there. I know a lot of people, you know, kind of griped about the touch bar, but I think I like it and it's here to stay. So it's in the current uh, MacBook Pro. Uh, again, it has Wi-Fi 6 technology with 1.2 gigabits per second throughput. It has four US Thunderbolt ports, so two on each side. Uh, you can connect 6K external display, all that good stuff. Again, like I mentioned, starting at the regular price of $12.99. So it is only a 13 inch. So I guess I wanted to ask you, what do you think about this? Because I know you mentioned you were into or in maybe in the market for a replacement MacBook Pro. So um, considering the fact that this is brand new, right up your alley, but it may be. What do you what do you think about it? So I'm definitely in the market um, for a new MacBook Pro. It's time for an upgrade for me. Um, and I was really looking forward to um, Apple Silicon as we previously knew it, which we now know is the M1 chip. My plan was to wait for the new, whatever the Apple Silicon laptops are going to be. And then I was going to buy the most recent version below that because I was assuming a price drop, um, not knowing that the Apple Silicon you know, laptops were going to be in the same price range. So when I saw the prices on the announcement, I was like, whoa, you know, a bit taken aback because I assume new chip, higher price. Um, so my interest was definitely peaked. The only thing is I'm now on a 13 inch and I want a larger screen. Okay. I want the, 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 the bigger screen. So um, while I am intrigued, um, I think I am going to wait for the next release. And as I mentioned earlier, I think by fall of 2022, um, they should have their full line all on um, the M1 chip. On the M1 chip. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what the rollout will be since they just announced the 13 inch um, this month. I'm assuming maybe the the first announcement we get for 2021 might be the, uh, the larger screen. Um, right. Um, the large screen one. Uh, I hope so. Um, if, I hope. if I remember correctly, I think in March is when they announced iPads. And if I'm correct, I, I, I hopefully I'm wrong, uh, around WWDC, it may be when they'll do, cause that's when they announced the new operating system. Um, I can't. So March, June, yeah. and then what? September, and then late fall. Right. Just look for one more thing. Yeah. So. All right. So we'll see. Uh, I'm yeah. definitely interested in a 15 inch as well. Um, my current MacBook is circa 2017, and it's been kicking just fine. Has no issues. So I'm not in a hurry to downgrade just for the sake of getting M1. Uh, definitely wait by that time. They will have worked out all of the kinks of the M1 processor. They will be uh, Apple will have been able to dispel some of the, uh, the questions or answer some of the questions that some of the developers, some of the people have with, you know, why not going to 32 or 64 gigs of RAM? Uh, why not uh, being able to connect a external GPU? Uh, so on and so forth. And then the whole thing with the, you know, being able to port you know, uh, Intel apps over to the M1 chip, so on and so forth. So by the time I'm ready, they'll have all that uh, worked out. So uh, another correction I wanted to uh, fix myself, the MacBook Pro that I'm reading, it only has two Thunderbolt uh, ports. My current Mac uh, has four 
So maybe when the 15 inch comes out, because the larger, right? Okay, okay. But I did, I did say the 13 inch had four out the jump. Uh, I stand corrected. There's only two, so we'll see if the bigger one has the additional ports, which uh, I most likely will. So I just wanted to put that out there. So that is it for the uh, MacBook Pro 13 inch. The last um, uh, device that was announced, uh, which again, all of these are available for pre-order now which by the time you're listening to this will be the day, no, the next, you'll have one week before they actually start shipping. So at the time you're yep. hearing this, you can pre-order any of these devices now. So let's get into the third one. It is the Mac mini. So this is the standalone desktop one. I think everybody loves the Mac mini for all the different things it can do and all the things we use it for. Uh, so they, of course, when they announced the M1 chip, they actually sent out Mac minis to developers with the chip in it so they can actually test and create their apps to make sure they're compatible. So I guess they're making that available to us, the regular folks now. So again, same thing with the Mac mini. It has the Apple uh, M1 chip. Uh, it's going to make it faster processor, uh, faster, you know, neural engine, you know, again, uh, with the Mac mini, you get the eight core CPU, uh, you get the up to 16 times, six times faster graphics performance, uh, 16 core neural engine with up to 15 times faster ML, which is machine learning performance. Again, of course, the Mac mini will also come with Mac OS Big Sur. All the things that I've mentioned before, you can get up to um, 16 gigs of RAM. Again, we'll see what people think about that later as you know, time will tell. Um, you can get mm-hmm. up, up to a two terabyte SSD in the Mac mini. Again, this is their desktop. So you can pair it with their, you know, all the ca- Apple gadgets. Hopefully, you know, uh, if you got all the money for that thousand dollar, um, uh, Apple uh, display, XDR. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more, more power to you, you know, but you can definitely add that on to this Mac mini, or you can do with what I do is I've got an old Mac mini that I, it's headless and what I'd have no monitor connected to it. I just use uh VNC and actually use my computer to log, log into that to see. So uh, one of the things that a lot of people, you know, I noticed people had issues about with this new Mac mini that just came out, the lack of Thunderbolt ports. I think they took a couple of Thunderbolt ports off of this Mac mini. So now you get an ethernet port, you get two Thunderbolt four ports, you get one HDMI 2.0 and you get two USB-A. I think that's 3.0. I think Uh, I can't remember, but it's USB-A and you get a headphone jack in the back of the Mac mini. So we'll see again, the jury will be out on whether or not the lack of USB or Thunderbolt ports on this new model will be an issue. Uh, We'll see. Um, again, Wi-Fi six with this up to 1.2 gigabits per second throughput and all again, all for the same price, actually a hundred dollars cheaper right yeah. on this, uh, entry level Mac, Mac mini at six ninety nine. So, uh, again, I, I, I remember you mentioning that you actually use your MacBook mini, your MacBook mini, your Mac mm-hmm. mini <laughs> to actually edit the show. So what, what do you think about this new Mac mini that they just announced? Yeah. Mac mini, it's a little workhorse. Um, I use the Mac mini, um, for recording the show and editing the show. Mm -hmm. Um, when, um, 
I, I use it for some development as well. If I need, you know, a nice big screen and I don't want to have to, you know, connect the laptop to it. Um, so it's a little workhorse and um, I think it's pretty dope. Um, I, I think people are used to just the laptops from Apple, but if you need a desktop, it's compact, it's small, it's powerful. And if you're in the market for one, I mean, again, it's a hundred dollars less than the, than the previous versions. So, um, I don't, and it's, I think it's thinner as well. Right. So, yes, it is. Uh, so you can't really, if you're in the market for, uh, and you don't have, a, and even if you don't have a lot of space, it's, it's a great little device. And right. so I'm, again, you know, based on what the benchmarks are and what the performance is, if it, if it lives up to what we're expecting from this chip, then I think you're going to be in for a treat. All right. All right. So like I mentioned, uh, all three of these devices, the new MacBook Air, the new MacBook Pro and the new Mac Mini are all available for pre-order now and they will be shipping next week. So definitely let us know if you're interested in getting one of those. If you do get one, check in, let us know. What do you think about only having 16 gigs maximum? You know, let us know what you think about having less ports. Let us know about this new N1 chip. Do you see a difference or can you tell at all? Let us know. All right. So uh, before I move off of the Apple event, one of the things I wanted to mention as an aside is the fact that Apple still didn't mention uh, any sort of AirPods studio or the AirTags. And the only reason why I mention that is because all leading up to this stuff, we've We've done it multiple times on this show to where they, you know, we've got new rumor, rumor alert, right? Of all this new features and technology with these AirPods Studio or these AirTags, which were not announced. You would think that Apple will have announced them at least now to get ready for Black Friday and Christmas and holiday shopping. But uh, they are either A, holding this one under wraps because they want to make sure it's right before they roll it out, or two, it doesn't exist. So I guess or three, I, they don't need an announcement. They're just going to drop it. Right. Right. Um, I'd be curious to see if they do that, but uh, all that to say, I don't think, honestly, I don't think so because I think there's going to need to be some sort of explanation uh, right. around these air tags. So right. Right. Well, if there is such a thing. Right. So, I mean, I, Say if there's such a thing, because, again, there's been so much rumors reported about it. You know, you know, all these analysts, all these people have, you know, quoted sources to say it's going to look like this and it's going to do that. And it's going to do this, that and the other and the third. Right. But, you know, Apple has remained tight lipped on this, you know, so much so that, again, it leads me to wonder if this thing exists, because like we mentioned before, uh, multiple times on this show, the air power mat, you know, Apple announced this gadget, this device that could charge multiple uh, mobile devices, smart charge and all this good stuff. You know, they announced it at an event. They had it on the back of some of the packaging um, for whatever reason. We couldn't get a, a firm word from them. But for whatever reason, the air power mat no longer exists. So, again, I'm thinking maybe Apple is either a waiting to get this thing perfect before they even announce it, because I would think they would have announced announced it and said coming March 2021 or whatever. They haven't even said that. So I'm thinking that maybe they've learned their lesson and they're not going to announce something before it's actually cooked or two again. Does it exist? I don't know. 
I mean, Apple hasn't said anything. We're just going off of analyst rumors and analysts have been wrong in the past. I mean, do you, do you think these things exist? I guess is the question. I, I want to say that they mentioned them, Apple, them being Apple, that these were going to be a thing. I could be wrong, but I thought that I thought that they said that these were a thing. Okay. I don't know, but it could, I don't know, because it's been so much, these things have been talked about, it feels like forever. And then there hasn't been anything that has really materialized from it. So I don't know. I, I know we we talked last week that there's a uh, that we could be getting a new um, iPad Pro uh, Q1. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if if they are waiting for that because I'm trying to think of what else they could possibly announce for an for uh, an iPad event. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're holding off on these AirTags and the AirPod Studio for that because I don't know what else they could How, announce. Where they can announce it. Maybe I'm, right. th- I'm thinking in March, like you mentioned in March when they announce a new iPad, maybe, maybe a new Apple pencil, maybe, I don't know. But around that time, I guess they could squeeze in, you know, these air tags, which the air tags make sense, right? Because if they're, uh, you know, uh, we were, me and Nika were on the uh, daily tech news show yesterday with Tom Meriton. Sarah and all those folks. And uh, he mentioned that, you know, Apple specifically built in this technology to support air tags in the current iPhone 12 lineup. So for them not to actually add that to their lineup to enable millions of iPhone devices to be able to talk to these air tags to where if we if we are following the rumors correctly, they are tile like uh, competitors to where you can put it in your purse, put it in your luggage, put it in your backpack and at the, you know, open up your iPhone and it uses this crowd sourcing technology to actually locate your devices in the real world. Uh, I mean, that's something that Apple could easily do again, which leads me to wonder if it's so easy for them to do, why haven't they done it yet? <laughs> right. And I think, I think it may be along the lines of what we saw at the air power mat. I think they, looked at it and said, yes, we could do it. But I think they oversold it because the thing with the app air power mat is you have other, you know, devices out there that you can lay multiple devices on and charge them. But what the upsell from Apple was, is you can put it anywhere mm-hmm. on, on the air power mat. You don't have to put it in a specific location. And then with the power distribution, you know, it can tell when your say your iPhone is a hundred percent in it. And it redistributes the power from from that over to your, uh, say, your AirPods because it's it's behind on the on the charging. Say you had zero percent on your on your AirPods Pro, so it'll shift that power distribution. I think they just oversold it, and they weren't able to deliver on all of that functionality that would separate itself from some of the other. Um, charging mats that were out there. And I think it may be the same thing with these air tags because you have, you can put an air tag on individual devices. So like, say I have an iPhone, I have AirPods, I have iPad pro and I have a laptop. That's four devices. I have more than that, but those are the main four, you know, that I use on a daily basis. So if I put an air tag on all of those, it has to be able to track each individual device 
And if you multiply that by millions of people, that's a lot to try and track and contend with. So I think maybe they bit off more than they could chew or it was an oversell similar to the air power mat. And they're just trying to get it perfect because they've already been burned right. by the air power mat. All right. All right. So, well, like I said, time will tell. Jury's still out yep. on whether or not either of these devices, uh, the AirPod Studio, the over-the-ear AirPods, or the AirTags even exist. But again, like I said, I think at the very least, Apple learned their lesson and said, you know, we're not yep. going to announce anything until it's cooked, right? Yeah. All right. All right. So that is it for the uh, One More Thing event, Apple's last event for 2020. Uh, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, some other things coming next year. So we'll see if these devices exist and what's to come for you know, the next level of this M1, M1 error, I guess, for Apple. All right. Yep. So I guess some other things I want to talk about before we move off of Apple news is uh, Apple has rolled out privacy focused app labels. So basically what these are is you think of, you know, you, nutrition labels, you know, you go to the grocery store, you take, you know, you see, pull something off the shelf shelf. You want to see how many calories it has, you know, how much fat, sodium, so on and so forth. So uh, think of that and translate that to a uh, app label for an app you're looking to download. You go to the app store, you know, you go in to download an app. You want to see specifically what this app is going to require of me specifically my data, right? So you can actually on these app labels, you'll be able to see uh, any data that's linked to you. For instance, you know, financial info, uh, contacts, browsing history, location, purchases, identifiers, you know, you'll with these labels, you'll be able to see exactly what apps are asking for what kind of data uh, specifically, you know, additionally, rather, uh, you can ask for data that's used to track you. So uh, contact info, identifiers or any sort of location. So basically what these app identifiers are, again, like I said, you, you're interested in downloading an app, but you're not sure what this app is taking. Is it going to take any? Is it going to ask for my contacts? Is it going to ask for browsing history? Is it going to store that somewhere? These app labels will be what the the app um is requiring of you and or your data. And I'm assuming that these uh, uh, app developers will have to disclose all this data and that yep. third party partners collect, including contact information, health and fitness, financial info, location, sensitive info, contacts, user content, browser history, search history, identifiers, purchases, usage data and diagnostics. So developers are going to have to disclose that information so you'll know up front whether or not you want to, you know, download it and potentially give up your information. You know, we've talked about data privacy. So, again, Apple is the head honcho as it relates to data. So uh, this is seems like a logical next step for Apple. But I guess I just want to get your feedback. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this is going to scare developers into creating apps for the App Store if they have to also disclose what they're going to use your data for, or do you think this would be a win for your average consumer? I think it's definitely a win for the average consumer. What it's doing is pulling back the veil on what is actually going on with your data. A lot of times people go to websites and it's like, oh, we're 
doing check tracking your cookies, you know, approve if you want to keep using this right, website. Right. You say, okay, yeah, because I want to use the website. I don't think in the grand scheme of things, it will affect a lot of what people download mm-hmm, as far as mm-hmm. apps. You have it now. How many times do you get um, a license agreement, an end-user license agreement? You don't read that stuff. You just Because now, before, you know, you could just click agree. Now, just to, I guess, cover themselves, you have to scroll all the way to the bottom right. in order to get the button to enable so you can check it. Right. So they're saying you scroll to the bottom, you look through all the data, so that's your sign-off. So people, I don't think the average consumer will honestly care mm-hmm. if this is an app that they want, they're going to go ahead and download. That may seem like, oh man, yeah. But I don't think that they will, you know, say, no, I'm not going to download this app or install this app because of the type of data that is tracking. This is the app that I want and I'm going to go ahead and download it. And, you know, it is, they already have my information anyway, right. those type of right. things. So I think what Apple is doing is lifting the veil for folks who really do care about this type of thing. And I think it's helping to keep the accountability, not only just on the developers, but on Apple as well. So if there is some sort of breach or some sort of information exchange, they can say, we provided you the tools. We told you so. We gave all the tools Mm -hmm. to let you know what you were giving up by downloading this app. The app developer gave you everything that you needed to know about what was going to go on with your data. You decided to still download this app. So the culpability is pretty much is not on us. We put the onus on you to make the decisions about what you want your private digital life to be. It's one of those things right. where with smoking, we told you all the bad stuff about smoking. It gives you cancer. You know, it, you know, takes, makes your teeth fall out, mm-hmm. age struggle. We told you all those things. We gave you these big blinking, you know, bold warnings, and you still chose to smoke. Well, we're giving you all these app labels. We're telling you every single thing that will be collected and how it's going to be used. And you still chose to double click and download the app. So we gave you the information. How you use it at the end of the day is is up to you. So I think more than anything, it's one of those things where I think Apple does care about their customers and their data, but at the end of the day, we told you what was going on, what the deal is. We gave you everything we could possibly give you. Now you have to make your own informed decision. It's your own choice. So Right. And I think it uh, puts the honest or uh, it keeps the developers honest because mm-hmm. if you have to tell them what you're collecting, then if something comes out that you are collecting, you know, additional information outside of this, then of course developers are on the hook for that. And, but also, you know, it gives the developers an out, right? Because many of tech story has been written about, you think of the, the, uh, face game apps to where, you know, they, you know, the, the, I can't think of the name of it, face, face app or whatever the case may be to where, you took a bunch of pictures, bunch of pictures, bunch of pictures, and then you could age yourself. Remember that was going on like a year mm-hmm. or so ago to where you can make yourself look older, make yourself look it younger, yeah. right? Come to find out they were collecting all that data and it come out, turned out to be, you know, Russian companies so on. So, and then everybody, all the tech journalists and everybody's like, Oh, Oh, well, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right, right, right. So 
you know, now um, if an app wants to do that, they have to let you know up front. One, it keeps them honest. And two, you know, uh, they can't there be no expose, you know, no tech journalist is going to uncover this hidden agenda. Well, they put it in the actual app label that we're collecting your contacts. We're going to collect your browser history. We're going to collect your location. We're going to see your purchases and we're going to possibly get some identifiers from you, like how old you are, where you live, you know, so on and so forth. So we can't say we weren't going to take that stuff. We put it in the label. We were going to take that stuff. So relax. Right. (laughs) All right. right. You made your own decision. Right. (laughs) All right. So another thing I wanted to um, let people know about is uh, iOS released iOS 14.2, which patches some serious security holes and you get a bunch of emoji. I think a lot of the tech stories that I saw, they put the front, the front of the information was you get a hundred new emoji, new wall papers. And it patches some security holes. And by the way, right, right, right. So let me see if I let me get this story to where to talk about the specific uh, uh, security clauses. Hold on, let me find it here. Uh, da da da. House blah blah blah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, let me find that other story. I'm I'm gonna find another. Yeah, story and why are you it. doing that? Who picks out these emojis? Because I'm looking at some of the ones that are supposed to come out with and. I mean, these aren't the emojis that I need in my life. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. What am I supposed to do with these? All right. So let's see. So there were three that I just want to Apple patches, three actively exploited zero day flaws, the vulnerabilities, which are all being abused for targeted attacks, effect of long list of devices. Uh, Apple is aware of these reports and this is what the patch was about. Um, let me see if I can find, uh, Apple. So this is a tweet from somebody, uh, who confirmed Apple fixed these patches. Apple has fixed three issues reported by project zero. I think that is a company that their sole purpose or what they're known for is finding some of these exploits that Apple, Microsoft, Google, when they put out new hardware, new software, this project zero, I think, um, I, th- I think project zero, as a matter of fact, I think it's an arm of Google. That uh, reports, of course, on mm-hmm. other other competitors. Yeah, yeah, other competitors' um, updates. So uh, this tweet says Apple has fixed three uh, three issues reported by Project Zero that were being actively exploited in the wild. CVE twenty twenty, a bunch of other numbers, <laughs> a memory leak. Uh, CVE twenty twenty two seven nine three two, which is a kernel privilege escalation. Uh, so on and so forth. So basically these um, uh, vulnerabilities uh, is a remote code execution flaw that could be triggered by the processing of a maliciously crafted font, potentially allowing an attacker to launch a attack remotely. So I don't know about you, but processing a maliciously crafted font, potentially allowing a attacker to launch an attack remotely that sounds pretty serious. Um, I mean, Yikes. right. It's the second, the second flaw resides in the kernel and is described as a kernel memory leak flaw. An attacker could exploit it by creating a malicious application to disclose a kernel memory 
Exploitation needs to happen locally and requires a single authentication. So again, that sounds serious to where once you've given this thing access one time, it can trigger off this, uh, right. This, this, uh, malicious application. The third zero day bug is a kernel privilege escalation vulnerability. A malicious application may be able to execute arbitrary code with kernel privileges. Apple warned. So I'm not a techie dude to where security and all the kernels and that sounds pretty serious, right? Enough to where I yeah, am. That's not good. Right. I'm surprised that I actually had to dig to find these updates in iOS 14.2 because all of the stories I saw was Apple rolls out new emoji. <laughs> right. And the thing with the kernels is if you have someone that can launch an attack at that level, they are supremely gifted, you know, hackers and and well versed in the architecture of of devices. So, if you give that type of person that type of access, the damage that they can do is pretty significant. If they can get down to that level mm-hmm. and launch an attack, trust and believe that attack is going to be significant. It's not going to just be, oh, let me get your your contacts. It's going to be some significant, you know, right. Damage that can be done. Yeah. So, so glad they're fixing that. Yeah. So they've patched that in 14.2 and you got some emojis. <laughs> All right. So the last story I right. wanted to talk about, uh, we kind of, we, we, we talked about the air power mat and the fact that Apple kind of punted on that whole idea, but they did come out with something called a mag safe duo, which basically is a mat of sorts to where you can charge your iPhone and your Apple watch or your wireless AirPods and your Apple watch. You can just charge those two things. It's a nice little mat that can fold up to where you can, you can travel, put in a book bag, trap in a backpack. Uh, but I thought what was surprising about this MagSafe <laughs> duo <laughs> was the price, <laughs> right? Because I would have thought uh, a, the air power mat, the price was about $149, $199, but with the air power mat, according to Apple, before they punted on it, did all this smart charging, redistribute, blah, 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 blah. So you would think at $199, it does all that. Well, this MagSafe dual charger costs $149 and all it does is it folds. <laughs> so I'm curious. They are out of their ever-loving mind charging $130 for this thing. What the world? Right. Who's buying it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I said 150 is actually $130. So a little bit cheaper, but at $130, the fact that it can yeah. it can fold up and you can put it in a bag, uh we'll see because you can get a um you can get a separate um Apple Watch dock for like uh I have to look it up, but and you can get a a MagSafe separately. And it won't cost $130. I'm not sure how much the the dock for the Apple Watch dock costs. Let me look it up. Let me see. Apple Watch dock. Let me see. Didn't they put the price in the article? Because they were they were adding it they were adding it up in the article. I thought. Oh, were they? Did they add it up? Okay, let me. Let me. Yeah. So a regular MagSafe charger costs forty dollars. Uh huh. Apple Watch chargers, either USB A or C, cost thirty dollars. Right. Uh, and if you bought a brick for each, that's $110. Right. So they're essentially saying you could buy all of the individual pieces that make up what would 
be able to be charged with this MagSafe, mm-hmm. and it's still twenty dollars less. All right, all right. So I guess the question for you is: Is this MagSafe Duo something on your Christmas list that you're gonna? No. no. <laughs> I could buy a whole um, Home Palm Mini for that and still have some change left over. You sure could. If I had a choice, <laughs> I would definitely choose a home. Uh, what is it? The 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 Mini. HomePod. Yeah, the yeah. HomePod Mini and. Uh, a MagSafe charger, right? For 130 bucks. <laughs> all right. So yeah, for, but for those who are interested, all in one. If you got it like that. Right. I mean, it's all. Hey, but you- but again, you know, I think we we are you know chagrining or guffawing or whatever you want to call it at the price of this accessory when you can make that same case for most of Apple's products. So I don't want to be hypocritical and say this is cost too much when I've, I've got a $1,200 iPhone that I'm going to pick up on Friday. There's no, and I already got mine. right, right. So, you know, when you, that same argument can be made for most of Apple's products, but this, it seems like a lot, maybe it's just me, but you know, we'll keep it moving. Let it you, seems, go. it seems like a lot of what you're getting. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So that's all we got for Apple news. We're going to move into second string where we talk tech in general. Um, It seems like there are a lot of people who did not agree with the latest uh, election and are deciding that they're going to voice their opinions uh, someplace else other than Facebook. I think a lot of the people who wanted Trump to win, um, are upset by the thought or the idea or the the notion that the election was stolen or rigged. And they are also additionally upset that uh, social media outlets like Facebook, particularly Twitter, is, quote unquote, suppressing free speech. Their First Amendment right. By, you know, discussing, you know, specifically you know, when Donald Trump uh, would put out some of his information on Twitter and Twitter would actually put like a label or a caption on his statement and says, this may or may not be true. Here are the real facts, so on and so forth. So I think a lot of uh, Trump supporters had don't really like that all that much and have decided to uh, go to this new app called Parler to where they can actually um According to this app, it's supposed to be some sort of free community to where you can voice any and any and all opinions. And it's user um, uh, user control to where, you know, if users feel like this validate validate violates some sort of policy, then the community will then step in and kick this person out or ban them. But pretty much you won't get any of the restrictions. You won't get any of the negative backlash from the uh, developers or owners of this particular app, you know, of, you know, particular apps that you normally would experience on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And it's supposed to be this new safe haven for people to express freedom of thought. And it seems like the majority of the users for this new parlor app um, are Trump slash Republican sympathizers. So I just wanted to ask you about what do you think about this new social media app that has turned into the safe haven for these people who have felt slighted in recent weeks as a result of this election 
and they're deciding to take the ball and go home. What do you think about this? I have one word for these people. Bye. Then. <laughs> go over there. Nobody's stopping you. Please stop assaulting us. Right. Our, our minds and our eyes with all this nonsense. Go on over there and have y'all's own little pity party and talk to each other. Okay, go bye. Right. That's all I got. Right. Yeah. So um I just think it's I think it's I guess hypocritical to where when, you know, people who had uh concerns or issues about some of the things Trump was saying uh throughout this, you know, his first his only <laughs> uh term as president, you know, a lot okay. of Right. A lot of the people who sympathized or or who followed that ideology was like, you know, well, if you don't like it, you can leave, you know, uh, stop Go to another country. Right. Don't be stop being a snowflake. You know, I think some of the terms that they were saying and now. Right, right, right. So all the things, you know, all of the insults they lobbed at people, you know, who kind of felt didn't like the way this administration was running the country, you know. Uh, now tables have turned and now they feel slighted some sort of way. Well, I guess my only suggestion is it's like, well, welcome to the party. <laughs> that's my, that's my thoughts of all this. I'm like, don't leave. We didn't when when people who had a problem with the way this country is being run, we would go to Facebook. We would go to Twitter. We'd go to all these social media platforms and we would say all our things those people would jump in and say, you know, difference of opinion at the least, at the most, you're being a snowflake, you know. So now y'all got to take it too. Don't leave. My 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 suggestion is don't leave. Y'all got to stand there and take it for the next umpteen, however long, you know, uh, however long this Biden uh, upcoming term, two terms, whatever, you know, however long the Democrats are in power or, you know, the opposing side. Take it it's the same way, you know, you felt free on some of these platforms prior to now to say it. So that, that's my. It <laughs> yeah. And it truly shows that they are the snowflakes. They can dish it out, but they can't take right. it. the exact same things when uh, when Stacey Abrams um, didn't want to concede. They call her all sorts of names. Mm -hmm. She just needs to accept the results. These are what they are. She's being a sore loser. But now the tables have turned. Right. We have to fight. We, why, why we can't just accept these. We have to, I mean, it's, and I mean, no one is surprised by this because a bunch of these people are, you know, toddlers mm -hmm. <laughs> and I hate to, and I hate to offend toddlers, right. but you know, that's what they are. And when it's their turn, because everything, everything is cyclical, it's going to come back because of the nature of, of our, how things work. Yeah how how things work mm -hmm. but when they are on top everyone else is just being special and if you don't like it here or you don't like our election process or you don't like our leadership go to a different country go back to where you came from same can be said now but when you do that they start whining and crying and you're trying to suppress my rights no it wasn't you you weren't saying that when it was on the opposite end and this whole thing of you need to empathize with you need to when 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 you lost when your side lost and Hillary Clinton lost and everyone was sad blah 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 now there it's on there no there's a huge difference these folks voted for a racist right they 
voted for a person who has allowed the death of over 230,000 people. It's not right. the same. Right. It's, it's not, not a, it's not a difference of opinion, right? It's not a difference <laughs> of opinion. And being racism is not a difference of an opinion that I can come, come back to. And it's, they, they want this whole unity thing, but unity without any sort of acknowledgement of, of wrongness or accountability, right? Or accountability it, it's 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 not unity. Right. It's just still one side having to continue to suffer to make the other side feel better. When we've seen now that they don't they don't want that. Right. They they choose war. Which is one of the reasons why this app is so popular is because you know you know you claim you want unity, you claim to agree to disagree, but when you know you feel slighted, you, it's all of a sudden we've got to go our own way to do our own thing on this new app. So uh, I'm not sure if this parlor app was specifically designed for these groups, but these groups are the ones who are surging up these, you know, downloads. I think they had 2 million downloads in the past couple of days. I read in one of the stories. So uh, obviously, you know, people want some place to vent and feel free to, I guess, be racist. I don't know. You know, you. Yeah. I guess. And the only, <laughs> yeah, and the only concern that I have is, I mean, they don't need to absolutely do this, but it's just more breeding ground. Radicalization, right? Radicalize and, you know, encourage more um, domestic terrorism. Right. Because most of these, quote unquote, militias, they, they are not militias. They are domestic terrorists. Right. Call a spade a spade. That's what they are. And my fear is that it's just going to be another breeding ground for that. Right. Because Facebook has finally and all these news organizations have finally done what they've been what they should have done five years it's ago. Clamped down. They're, mm. they're clamping down. They're calling they're calling things to the carpet and they're calling out the lies and they aren't calling them mistruths or or racial what was the what was the term that was one of their favorite racial Oh crap! I can't remember. But in, instead of calling it racist, they had a, a a more palatable, palatable meaning to white people. Right. Word for racism because I'm even now I'm just uh, they call being called a racist because I'm voting for Donald Trump who is a racist. Right. You know it just hurts my feelings. Right. No, it's it's time. And I, if anything, it's what it's shown is time out for that, and people aren't standing for that anymore. You are racist <laughs> if you support right. the um, policies of a racist. Right. There's no way to mince words about it. Right. I mean, fight me. No, don't fight me. Fight your mama. Right. Because what I'm saying is you are choosing. It's if it's a one it's I don't like what he says, but, you know, it's because of it's not fiscal responsibility because he's giving all the rich people a task break. Right. He's not taking their health care. Okay. So, it's, it's just a so, so all it's, the, it's, it's, yeah, chaotic. all that to say, you know, now they have a place to air their grievances. So maybe that'll make, I don't know, separate, but equal, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, you know, they are a new popular app for whatever reason, you know, and I guess they could be proud of that, but we'll see how that turns out. So, all right. So I guess the last thing I want to talk about in the second stream uh, is Uber 
will now let users book rides 30 days in advance and pick a favorite driver. So this is for those, you know, Uber drivers who love their job and they get all of these, you know, uh, five stars and positive reviews to where if you are, see yourself in a habit of every, you know, week or multiple times a week or whatever your schedule is, if you're noticing a pattern to where you're doing the same routine, the same trip, then Uber's now letting you reserve that trip farther in advance up to 30 days in advance and you can pick your favorite driver. So, I mean, I guess definitely you can also, you know, as a, you know, if you are an Uber driver and you, you use Uber as your primary source of income, then you can even further establish a clientele by being able to have, you know, you know, Uber users be able to select you as their favorite driver. So this new option called Uber Reserve, which will begin to show up on the app in the next week, is designed for users who want to book a ride at least two hours in advance. Uber said it will keep its current scheduler ride option for those trips that fall under two hours in advance timeline. And according to Uber, quote, while saving you time lays at the heart of your service, we wanted to take this idea to the next level by building mobility features that more flexibly fit around your life, said Holly Beasley, operations lead at Uber. So riders who use a reserve feature will be shown their fare upfront and be matched to a driver ahead of the trip. The company has, fo- has also folded in a favorite driver option. Riders can now add favorite drivers to their app. Once they select the reserve features, riders will have the option to select one of their favorite drivers. These favorite drivers will be offered to them first. Uber stress that drivers aren't penalized for opting not to take the ride. So uh, I, it's been a while since I've taken an Uber, even before COVID, you know, but I guess, what do you think about this new feature? Is this something that will benefit uh, drivers to where they feel more like, you know, like this is their uh, business or right, right, right. Yep. I, I get it. And I don't know how it will work, but my mind automatically went to like surging so like say New Year's, if you're out for New Year's and you book your ride, you know, in advance and they give you your price and then like say it's, you know, 1230 on New Year's Day a.m. after you, you know, did your little celebratory things and you're ready to go home. Wouldn't, if you reserved your ride two days in advance, are you exempt from those surge prices? Or? Uh, that's a good question. Uh-huh. I I don't know if they mentioned that, but what I saw they did mention was even though this app, this feed, this feature rather was being developed prior to COVID, uh, I can definitely see this as a benefit if you only want to use one driver, right? If you want to still, Mm -hmm. if you, if you, you've, you've, you've driven, you've rode with this driver and you trust that they are social distancing, you're, you trust that they're keeping their environment clean, you know, you trust that they're, you know, you've seen that they're wearing a mask, you know, they're practicing all the things that you're supposed to do with COVID. Then this is definitely a benefit to where I want that guy every single time. I don't want some new, new person who doesn't follow the procedures or whatever the case may be. So I definitely think, you know, there's a benefit for that to where going back into your, your thought, if surging wasn't included or excluded from this, I'll take that. I'll pay for the extra surge. If in fact, I know I'm going to get the same amount of service every single time, right from the same driver. Yeah. And I think it also addresses some of the issues that Uber had with um, sexual assault 
and right. harassment. Right. If, um, you know, as a woman, those are things that I have to think of whenever I'm booking a ride. Right. Whose car am I getting into? Right. Is it one of those things where I need to, you know, make sure I drop my location to someone or mm-hmm. those kind of things. But if you have a driver that you're comfortable with and you know that's safe, then you will want to book that same driver. Right. So I think, you know, now the more that I'm thinking about it, I think this may actually be a pretty good thing for for both sides, the driver and the passenger. Okay. All right. All right. So de- yeah, definitely, you know, uh, a, a positive, you know, to turn the favor in Uber's favor, right? Because over the past couple of years, they have been, you know, kind of kicked, you know, around, you know, with some of their policies and some of the things they did. But I mean, this is one of the things to where they definitely are trying to show that, you know, they can be trusted, you know, in all. So I think this is a good, a good benefit towards that. All right. So that is it for second string. We're going to move into for the culture. And uh, I, I saw this story and I was like, oh, yeah, Nika will definitely like this one. Uh, so Beyonce yeah. has teamed up with Peloton, the, you know, the popular bike. And I think they also have a um, do they have a treadmill? I think they even have a treadmill. Well, so one of the most popular playlists, one of the most popular music requests ever on Peloton was Beyonce, of course. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Beyonce is, according to the story, Beyonce is a Peloton member and she is the most requested artist on our platform. Uh, Over time, we developed a series of classes that exclusively feature the artist catalog with everyone from Dolly Parton and Jennifer Lopez. Our members love them. So we started to think and talk about how we could build upon the series and make it even more impactful. So the Beyonce X Peloton collaboration includes a social component to the partnership by committing Peloton digital memberships to 10 HBCUs, providing an access to a full library of fitness classes through the Peloton app that can be used with or without equipment. This continues Beyonce's commitment to HBCUs and Peloton's anti-racist company pledge, quote, A part of that pledge includes improving cultural access to health and fitness across communities. And this is something that means so much to Peloton as an organization. So all that to say, in addition to people just loving Beyonce and they want to hear and sweat to Beyonce, this is actually a social benefit to HBCU. So it's one thing just for Beyonce, just to put her name on this thing, but she's actually you know, benefiting, you know, some of the, uh, she, she's putting more money where at her mouth is and putting her brand, her, her name behind social justice. So I just, I just wanted right. to get your opinions or thoughts on this. This is how you, this is celebrity gone, right? Right. Because not only is Beyonce bringing um, more visibility, I think their, their stocks went up quite a bit. Once this was announced, so it's benefiting multiple people. So you know, one Beyonce is a businesswoman; she's going to get her money. Right. So she's going to get her money from, you know, her, the streams of her music. Right. That's what I was so going to say. Benefiting her. Right. Yep. It's benefiting Peloton because they are getting um, positive publicity. They it's are Beyonce's vouching for them. Yeah, Beyonce's vouch form, they're getting more people to come into their uh into their ecosystem because Peloton, of course, they're known for the bikes, but their app has all sorts of workouts. Mm-hmm. They have like hip hop dancing, mm-hmm. they have um 
cardio, they have yoga, of course they have the bike. So you can go on the app and do, you know, traditional um, type of workouts as well. And the third component is not only is it bringing visibility to these 10 HBCUs and it's increasing the health in minority communities, the biggest component is that uh, Peloton has agreed to extend the relationship with HBCUs beyond just the health benefits. They are going to also include long-term uh, recruiting partnership okay. for both internships and for undergraduate students okay. once they get ready to graduate. So it's a win-win-win. Peloton wins, Beyonce wins, and the students win. All so right. I think it's just a fantastic way of using celebrity and using branding. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's just more of her leaning into, um, you know, her her philanthropic arm right. called Be Good. And using, and using her and name. she's been pouring into Yep. Using her name, mm -hmm. and she's been pouring into HBCUs for quite a while now, especially with, um, you know, the um, when she did Homecoming, because Homecoming, you know, was an old to HBCUs. It, yep, but it's it's HBCU black people centric because even if you didn't go to HBCU, you went to the ball games, you went to the Battle of the Bands. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew the HBCUs because in our community, you know, that's what you know, that was, you know, specifically for us when we were excluded mm -hmm. from going to, you know, PWIs or predominantly white, white right. institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had to create our own college sector to go into. So that's something that black people hold very near and dear to our heart because it was a way for us to belong, you know, elevate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As, 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 as a community, as well as be able to be the next generation of, you know, uh, middle class, upper class, you know, individuals get education and, and access that we didn't previously have. And so the students will have, um, I think it's a two year membership mm -hmm. um, to the app and the the, t the digital memberships will go to students at Bennett College, Clark Atlanta University, Grambling State University, Hampton University. Howard University, Morehouse College, and Morehouse School of Medicine, and Spelman College, Texas Southern University, and Wilberforce University, all by the end of November. Right. And that whole list of colleges that I named, all of the HBCUs um, in Atlanta City, known collectively as the AUC, are all included in that. So I think that's fantastic for, right. for our state specifically. So and, I think it's fantastic. And now that I think about it, this is a preemptive strike <laughs> again against Apple Fitness Plus. You know, I hate to say it, but oh, yeah. because Peloton is, uh, they uh, they jumped out, you know, there were, there were other fitness apps and there were other fitness memberships before Peloton, but T Peloton kind of came out and stole the thunder and that kind of put all of them on notice. So now you see Nordic Track and uh, some of these other ones are starting to not necessarily catch up, but they're starting to recognize what people want and what's popular. And then here comes Apple with this whole Fitness Plus. You know, we've got mm -hmm. Apple we got TVs. Playlist. Well, not just that. We've already got the equipment for the most part. We got Apple Watches. We got iPhones. We got iPads, Apple TV. All I got to do is I'm already paying for 50 million thousand Apple subscriptions. Why not add this other one? But 
this the Apple Music don't 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 have right don't have the Beyonce connection right so you know maybe and the fact that it you know she's using this for philanthropic means and it's going to HBCU so it kind of hits different right when you're using Peloton especially have a black person black person that went to an HBCU like it's extra pride right right you know black like I said a black person that went to an HBCU that also loves Beyonce you know if you get them decide between a Peloton membership. And Apple Music or Nordic Track or Adidas or some of these other ones, they go Beyonce. They might they might choose Beyonce. So all that to say, you know, uh, Apple Fitness Plus still hasn't been launched Stop yet. That. But yeah. again, in that darkness, <laughs> Peloton is trying to make the moves to make sure they stay on top. So I guess hats off yeah. to them. You know, this is a preemptive yeah, strike. They had the foresight. Right. For <laughs> all right. All right. That is it for, for the culture Uh the hookup for this week. Um, I guess I, did I spill the beans already? No. In the pre-show, I talked about how I'm going to get the iPhone 12 pro max. So one of the tips I wanted to let you know that traditionally folks either did a pre-order and had the device shipped to their house or they didn't pre-order and went to the Apple store first thing in the morning, stood in line in hopes that the Apple store would have enough product in order for you to get one. And then, you know, on launch day, right? Well, I found out a happy medium that I didn't know about to where you can actually go through all the steps to pre-order Devices now won't work for the iPhones because those have all been announced already. But for upcoming devices to where you have to pre-order, you can actually pre-order and select to pick it up in the store. Now, I don't know if this came about specifically because of COVID-19 and us being able to not have all these people crowded around the Apple store one time to where they've rolled out this express pickup. But I just wanted to let people know for the hookup. If you're looking to pre-order an Apple device like an iPhone for maybe like the iPhone 13 or whatever they call it, you actually can pre-order the device ahead of time and have it uh, and select the option to pick it up in the store. Like I said, this is something I didn't. I mean, I'm pretty sure it existed, but it has come to fame as a result of the social distancing and practicing, you know, uh, staying a safe distance from everybody to where now. You know, you can actually have Apple come out and deliver your device to your car or you can deliver to pick it up in Apple store to where you set an appointment to where they can monitor and regulate how many people are coming in and out of the store. So that's my little hookup for the week. I did it. So I'm going to pick it up uh, this time on Friday. If you're listening to this now, I will, you know, follow, follow me at brother tech and I'll let you know how my process went because by the time you hear this, I'll probably already have it in my hands. So that's my hookup tip for the week. So unless you didn't have anything, Nika, we're going to end this show. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, You can download rate and review us. We're on Apple podcasts. We're on Google podcasts and we're on Spotify. You can gauge with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at snob OS cast. Uh, you can definitely watch us on YouTube. You can follow us at SnobOSCast. Be sure to like, subscribe, do all the YouTube stuff. Uh, you can leave comments and suggestions. We're on the web at SnobOSCast.com. Or you can shoot us an email at SnobOSCast at gmail.com. Finally, support the show. We would appreciate your support. Uh, you can become a Patreon for as little as $5. You get access to our pre-show. You get access to the live show. 
and you get access to our discord chat where we talk all things tech in between the show so uh, we want to thank you for watching we want to thank you for your support and until next week we are out peace bye